Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. I don't know if you guys are aware, I've got a problem. This is coffee, by the way. And boy, is it good. And my coffee is a great affection of my life. In fact, I have taken on the term that I am a coffee snob these days. There are certain places I won't drink coffee in town. Won't even touch it. Won't order it. Won't have nothing to do with it. And there are certain places I can't have enough. And I usually have several. Have a great affection for coffee. The amens in the house? Huh? Woohoo! Here's what I found about coffee, though. My affection for coffee can become an affliction. There are things too much coffee does in my life that's not good. Coffee's a diuretic. Fill in the blanks. There are days where my stomach acts goofy. There are days where I feel dehydrated. My wife will look at me and go, Hey, how many cups of coffee have you drank today? And I'll go, uh, I don't want to answer that question. And she'll go, how many glasses of water have you had? That's easy. I don't have to count very far. None. And this affection I have becomes an affliction. I don't know if you guys have that, 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 that kind of thing. Hey, hey, how about spicy food? Anybody in on jalapenos? Oh, hallelujah. And I can eat those things, and guess what? My affection becomes an affliction. And boy, does it burn. I found out that sometimes I so gravitate towards things and go after things that I can take something my, my, I crave after, and it becomes something really awful in my life. I've also found I have afflictions about certain things, and because I have afflictions, I use my affections to medicate my afflictions. Anybody with me? Sometimes the affections cause my afflictions. Sometimes my afflictions expedite or create or cause momentum to be upon my affections. I can comfort eat. Anybody stress eat in this place? I'm telling you, I've got issues. And what I find is the more I give in to those things, the more I put myself in a bad spot. And I'm just being confessional because we're pulling off the mask, right? I mean, I went through a list of things several months ago where I, had, I was facing burnout as a pastor. I read a blog. The dude said, if you're, if you're having more, more than half of these things, you're probably facing burnout. And I went, dude, I'm batting 10 for 11. I thought, man, I'm, I'm all but one. And my wife looked at me and went, uh-uh. She said, you better check off number 10. Look at that. And I said, I don't do that. She said, you comfort eat, doggone it. Because he's talked about sometimes pastors resolve to substances when they're under stress and difficulty, and that's a sign that you're burnt out. Because I was thinking of all the other things, right? Well, you get me, you get me feeling really bad, and I'll, there's not enough chocolate and peanut butter together in the world. I could, eat, I, I could eat up the whole factory at Reese's, man, I'm telling you right now. Jif peanut butter? Holy smokes, man. Is there anything better under heaven than Jif peanut butter? I mean, I don't know. And for you, for, for you moms who think that, that you can just buy any old peanut butter and it suffices, I want to remind you what the old commercial said. Choosy moms choose Jif. Huh? Come on. Somebody? 
But those things become bad deals. I rely on them sometimes to get me through rather than relying on Christ. And when I do that, I create more problems for myself. Are you hearing me? And I think, I think we all hide from our affections. We all hide in certain ways. I think we all hide the vastness of the cravings that we have. I think we, I think we all hide the depth of pain we feel. I, th- I think there are times where we, we just can't get See, some of you don't relate to, to necessarily the, the, the coffee thing, but you know those meds the doctor prescribed for you and how soon they, they run out. Some of you have a debt issue because you don't comfort eat, you comfort spend. Am I right? Oh, it got quiet. I'm talking about, I'm talking about all of us now. I was just talking about me, it was funny, right? Now I'm talking about all of us, it's not so funny anymore, huh? Some of us have issues with our, our spouses, right? And the lack of affection we might be getting from there. And so there's this little thing on our... And we watch stuff we shouldn't watch because our spouse isn't being good to us. Oh, it's really quiet now, isn't it? And our affections turn into afflictions because we're destroying our family and we don't even realize it because we just have to have a release of some, some kind. See, when we do stuff like that, we, 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 our walk with Jesus is stifled. When we do stuff like that, our walk with other people is hindered. And, and, and we, we, we try and make sure that we're, you know, we, we put on a front sometimes that things are okay and things aren't okay. I really appreciate the other day I met with somebody from the church and, and they sat down on the table across from me and I go, so how you doing? He goes, are you asking me for real or are you just doing a greeting? Because he was here the last time I talked about that. And he almost got the pastor in one of those things, right? Because we, we hide behind things. We, 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 we don't really deal with stuff. And here's the thing. Answers we, re, we need as a result of our affections, our afflictions, are, are, are delayed or detoured from getting to us because we keep giving in to them rather than giving in to Jesus. And we can hide behind them all we want, but they're still there. And we, we create issues and things. See, being real means this. Being real means making God the answer to your affections and your afflictions. We've been, doing, we've been looking at a piece of scripture as kind of our theme verse and for this whole series. Clear back from the beginning of October. It says this, but the time is coming. Look at, look at your neighbor right now and say, right now. Now, now look at them and say, he's talking to me. Because don't for a minute think I'm talking to somebody else. Don't for a minute think I'm talking to someone besides you. Because I'm not. Don't think for a minute the Holy Spirit is going to be talking to some, you know, the worst thing you can think right now is it's about somebody else, because it's not. It's about you and him, you and Jesus. The time is now, and it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The idea here is everything from within them, they're, they're, they're worshiping God, and they're hiding behind nothing. Spirit and truth. The Father's, look, the Father's looking for these kinds of worshipers. He's, he's looking for somebody who will put their affections and their afflictions on the line. The Father's looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must 
Now look at your neighbor and say, must. Tell them this is not optional. Must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The idea of truth means there's not a mask, right? Talked about this a couple weeks ago, right? Pulling the mask off, pulling the mask off. A hypocrite's one is a Greek dramatic term. It's where we get the ideas of those, those comedy and tragedy masks. You know what I'm talking about? The smile and the frown. Remember, you know what I'm talking about? And, 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 and it, that's where Jesus pulls it from. This is one of the words Jesus uses prevalently in the Gospels. He uses hypocrite numerous times. Jesus speaks directly to people, and you can say, well, the church is full of hypocrites. That's probably true. Here's what I know. The, hypocrite, the, the, the church is full of hypocrites not because people have problems, but because they won't be real about them. There's all kinds of people in this room right now who have problems. In fact, my guess is there's not one person in this room right now who doesn't have a problem. And if you, if you are that person, I will gladly hand the mic over to you right now. I need, I need help. I don't have it all together. I haven't figured it all out yet. I'm trying to. I'm walking this walk with Jesus, and I haven't quite figured everything out yet. But a hypocrite's one who puts on a mask and feigns himself to be what he is not. He's just acting. She's just acting. And when I claim to worship Jesus, and my cravings go crazy, and my affections are misplaced, I, I am being hypocritical. When my afflictions have got me separated from God and I come in here and I smile and I raise my hands and I say I'm fine, I am, I am being a hypocrite. And, and I, I want us to get to the point where there's nothing hidden, man. Not one thing. Now, I don't mean you have to share everything to everybody. Don't misunderstand. But there, you guys know the difference between when I say, hey, everything's fine and I'm really broken inside. Am I right? You cannot be a hypocrite and still not tell everybody everything. You get what I mean? So being real means making God the answer, the answer to your affections and your afflictions. That's what we're going to talk about the rest of the morning. So we're going to look at Psalm 62. We're going to look at verse 5 through 8 this morning. And I want to tell you this. Our hearts slip because of affections and afflictions. What do I mean? Our hearts slide off the path. Our hearts move off of the trajectory God has for us because of what, we, what, 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 we, what our affections are, what we're affectionate toward, and what we're afflicted by if we let them. Look at Psalm 62.5. David writes these words. Let all that I am wait quietly before God. For my hope, there's some key words in here, my hope is in Him. The first part of verse 6 says, He, is, he alone is my rock and my salvation. Now, sometimes we blow right past certain things that are in the Scriptures. I'll make a couple things really clear. We're going to talk about, about three words that are in this piece of Scripture. The first thing here is, let all that I am. Some translations make this word just merely says soul. Let my soul wait before God. This word soul has this idea. It's the Hebrew word nefesh. And it means this, that a soul, a living being, life, self, a person. But it also means a couple other things. Desire, passion, appetite, and emotion. In other words, what's going on way down deep in me? What do I really chase after? What am I really hungry for? What am I desiring above everything else? What is my soul longing after? When, it, when nobody else is looking, with nobody else is looking at my, I don't know, my, my text messaging or my 
browsing history or my social media stuff? What, what, what's going on in there? What am I really displaying, right? The other word in here is hope. He says, my hope is in him. The word hope has this idea of expectation. It has the idea of looking forward to something. It has the idea of confidence in regard to a good and beneficial future. And so when we're talking about affections and afflictions, what we're really talking about, the things we think are going to make life good. And if my hope is displaced, and my soul is longing after things that are misplaced, I end up in a bad spot. But if my expectation and my hope is in Christ and in Christ alone, on Christ the solid rock I stand, thank you, Todd, wherever you are for choosing an oldie but a goodie. goes right along with what we're talking about today. I'm I'm misplaced. Salvation, the word salvation is God rescues and delivers from the situation of opposition and peril. I love this definition. And peril to one of recovered spaciousness, prosperity, and well-being. God's the one who puts us in that spot. Now, I say the word prosperity and automatically your mind clicked right into 21st century American theology. Name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, whatever you want to call it. But in the scripture, that idea of prosperity does not exist. The idea of prosperity means I am well, body, mind, and spirit. My relationships are in check. I have enough to meet the needs, but I, and I have enough to give away. But my concentration isn't on the stuff. The concentration is on my relationship with Jesus and what he's doing and what he's about. And so if you're worried about stuff, you're missing the point of prosperity. Prosperity is about us being whole people. Whole. And so, so that, that, that's what, what God wants from us. And so, so you, being real means making God the focus, the answer to your affections and your afflictions, not an offshoot. Let's keep reading in Psalm 62, 6. My fortress, he talks about God, my fortress where I will not be shaken... My victory and my honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. And a couple more words I want you to pay attention to. This word fortress has the idea of being a stronghold. Some of us have strongholds in our life, but they're not God. There are things entrenched in our way of living, habits that we create, pathways of thinking, have pathways of affections and certain things that are just entrenched. And and then God isn't the stronghold. These things are a secure place, possibly up high in a rim rock where one may dwell or reside. And we think if we protect ourselves about these things, nothing's going to happen. And we're sorely mistaken. We're sorely mistaken. God is to be the fortress. The next thing is the idea of being, he says, I will not be shaken. This idea here has to do with a a, a fall or faltering, giving way to something, to be shaken, to be shaken violently, to slip or to stagger or to totter. You guys ever been there? Ever been in a place where it's just everything's kind of all over the place and you feel like you don't have any place firm to stand and everything's being rattled? And so when you, when you put affections and afflictions in a wrong spot and you try and use one or the other to compensate for one, you're not allowing God to be the fortress. And here's what happens. He will allow that stuff to be shaken. 
Some of you think that it's Satan wreaking havoc in your life, and it's not him. It's you and your affections, and you've caused something to happen that God will force an issue with your life to shake. You know why? Because Hebrews says this, that God will cause everything to shake so that the, the things that can be shaken will, and the th- only things that will remain are the things that cannot be shaken. And you wonder why the rattling's going on because you're, you're, you're craving things. You're hiding your afflictions with an affection. Or you're creating an affliction with affection. And you're wondering why things are all over the place. And it's shaking all over because God's saying, I need to be the fortress. I need to be the stronghold. I need to be the thing to hold you fast. Not that stuff, not that money, not that porn addiction, not that medicine, not that other stuff. And I'm not against any of that. Don't miss it. I needed some for a while. But I will tell you this. My plan was not to stay there. And thanks be to Jesus, I haven't had any of that prescribed medicine since July. Not one. Bottle's still sitting there. Haven't had one. Because Jesus has helped me walk through some things. Are you hearing me? Grateful for doctors and people who help you sort things out and even things out. But can I tell you something? If you're relying on on them or it more than him, you're missing the point. My sister at one point, I don't think she'd mind me telling this story, had, had an issue where anxiety and depression were just all over her. And she had a, a lady at the church she was going to at the time tell her, you know, you should you could think about, you know, you need some meds. So she went to see a doctor. Doctor concurred. She went on, went on some stuff. And after several, several months of, of that, she, she was at work one day. She had her lunch with her. And she felt this nudge. She felt this nudge go, go home for lunch. And she's like, I already brought my lunch with me. And the, and the nudge came back, go home for lunch. She's like, uh, I brought my lunch with me. And the nudge came back, go home for lunch. She's like, well, so when lunchtime came around, she said, I guess I'm going home for lunch. And the lady's like, well, I thought you brought your lunch with you. I did, but I need to go home. Okay. She said, I'll be back when lunch is over. All right. So she drives home to her house. She, gets out, she goes to get out of her car. She said, I stepped out of my car. It was like Jesus was standing there. She said, I walked into my house. And she said, just this overwhelming sense of the necessity to worship Jesus just overwhelmed me. And for, for 45 minutes, me and Jesus had this encounter. And I cried and I wept. And I just had this moment with him. And I got up. I, she said, I knelt down by I knelt down my couch the entire lunchtime. And when I went to stand up, Jesus went, you don't need those meds anymore. But she, she had a time where her mind was so not working right. She needed help. But Jesus said, I'm the real answer. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus has got to be the real answer. You get what I mean? Sometimes our minds don't work right. It's an organ like the rest of it. It needs help. But the issue is not what the, what's going on in the mind as much as what's going on in the spirit because everything issues out of our spirit. The Bible says keep our heart with all diligence. Out of it flows the issues of life. And if our heart is craving things or if our heart is wounded badly, we, we can chase stuff, we can do things, and it will keep us from placing God in his rightful spot. Some of us are here today, and we built walls between us and Jesus, and we didn't even realize it. 
We're still angry about something. Something happened to us with, 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 with a friend of ours who we thought would never betray us. And we blame God because they did something to us. And we just and we're just we build up these walls and we're not being real. And we're chasing other things. And listen, God's faithful, man. He is for you. He is not against you. But he's for you having your life in such an order that, check this out, it can be everything he saw it being from the beginning of time. But so long as you stay craving those other things and, and, and afflicted by your own emotional dis- discord, check this out, you're never going to get there. The word honor here, he says, he is my, my, my victory and my honor come from God alone. I think you guys understand what victory is, right? Do I have to explain that? Honor, though, is a different thing. It says, it's a, the word honor is the, is the Hebrew word kabod, and it means great quantity, a multitude, wealth, reputation, or splendor. Kabod refers to the great physical weight of quantity of a thing, according to Vine's Dictionary. Here's the deal. God wants your life to be in a spot of overflow. But Paul would plainly say, what God's given you, you shouldn't use it for an, affli- an occasion to your flesh. You should use it for the benefit of other people. And when God places his blessing on your life, it's for the purpose of honoring him and helping others. And so when David says, my victory, my honor, come from, it even, isn't even really about, it's about God getting glory and about David fulfilling his role on the planet to make sure the lives of other people are enhanced. Do you get that? Being real means making God the answer to your affections, your afflictions. Look at verse 8, what he says here. He says, oh, my people. Can you hear the heart of God in that? Oh, my people. I don't know if you can hear your father calling out to you in those words, but he's calling out to you. Oh, my people. See, you are made in his image. You are made in his likeness. And on top of that, he realized you felt very orphaned, very alone in the world, very away from things, very whatever, lonely, very beaten up, very burdened down, very whatever. And he said, listen, I'm going to create a space for you back at my table. And if you felt like you're not a child of God, here's the thing. Jesus died so you can have a seat. At the table of the king. He died to make a way where you couldn't make a way for yourself. He, he put you in a spot where you could be his child. The Bible said God saw you. One of my favorite passages, and all, one of my favorite verses in all the scripture, Ephesians 1.5, said he saw us. He wanted us at his table, at his, in his family. And he made a way for us because, and it brought him great pleasure. Oh, my gosh. So if you're not one of his people right now, you can be. You know how? You simply go, Jesus, I trust you. I trust that you've made a way where I couldn't make a way for myself. And when all the stuff comes up that you think you've done that would make God mad at you, you have to understand something. When you say those words, the blood of Jesus covers all that stuff, and you can be a a child of God. And so when God says these words, oh, my people, he can be talking to every person in this room right now. And the way is made. The invitation is extended. And guess what? You don't have to be on the outside looking in anymore. You can be a part of the family. 
And these words will resonate inside your chest. The Bible says that God's spirit bears with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if right now you're sitting here and you don't, that doesn't resonate within you, the easiest thing you can do is go, God, I believe you made a way. Jesus, I trust you're the Savior. God, I believe that all my sin is covered. If you believe in your heart and you can make that confession with your mouth, the Bible says all who call upon that name shall be saved. And so right now, every person in this room right now has a chance to be that in, the, in that, 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 that corporate idea of, oh, my people. Not one person is left out of that equation. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever, whosoever, whosoever believes in him, puts their trust, just doesn't give mental assent to who he is, puts their trust in him. They have a way. To the table. They'll, they have the, the, the access to the eternal life that God has. Oh, my people, trust. See, that's the idea. Trust in Him at all times. Which brings me to our appetites, right? We're chasing our, our affections, our, our appetites. See, our, our appetites cause us to place our trust almost everywhere but Christ. See, our, it's, it's those appetites, it's those affections that promise happiness. They promise significance. They promise security. And affections run amok of what they can be. It can be the amount of money in my bank account. That can be an affection. I work night and day to make sure that's okay because I feel significant and I feel secure and I, I feel like I have a, a promise of happiness. It can be in, in, in that food like we talked about. Oh, man. Yes, Jesus. It can be in that the, 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 our our I don't know the, the the side of town we live in. Some of you look around and you think, if I just had put in the fill in the blank, like so and so, if I just drove the right car, if if I just live in the right house, if if my political party wins, I'm assured things are going to go well. I'm assured things are going to be happy. I'm assured things are going to be secure. And that's not Jesus. It's, it's not God. We, we chase after created things at the expense of, of honoring the Creator. And every one of those things, fill in the blanks. If I just have that extra pair of shoes. Right? Not to throw any shade or anything, but if I find just that right deal at the clearance rack. Right? Romans one twenty five says this. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And worshipped and served created things rather than the creator. We can't be true worshipers of Jesus. And have a mask where we're not being real about the appetites and the, the affections that we have. Some of us, it translates into addictions. I need that Coke. <laughs> you, know, you know how nervous I am. Man, just that one drink, man. It'll be okay. I'll be leave everything out. Aaron, that doesn't happen here. If you are that naive... Huh? 
I get that fixed in front of that computer, the rest of my day will be okay. And I'm not naive enough to believe it don't happen. I've sat across the table from too many people with too much brokenness to believe that's not going on, some of that's not going in here right now. And what I want for us is, is more of Jesus so that the, the things that are unstable and unsecure won't hold the place of the one who is stable and who is secure. Healing, the, the, the Romans 1.25 goes on to say, to him who is forever praised. Forever. See, we chase those appetites. You know why? Because we don't do several things. We don't know what we have in Christ. The apostle Paul writes Philippians 3 these words. But whatever was to my profit, you know what he's just gone through previous to verse 7? He has gone through his resume. And he goes through his list of all that he had accomplished as a human being on this planet. He had gone through how he had achieved things and done stuff. And he was just, he was the top of the top. He was in the, the, the in crowd. He was the one everybody else wanted to be. He was at the, at the beck and call of all the higher ups in his religious organization. He was doing business. His name was known across the world. And he goes, listen, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost everything. I have turned my passions, my appetites, my affections off of all of that, and I've turned them solely to Him. I consider them rubbish that I might gain Christ. Now, I've read some things recently. Uh, where commentators think Paul was really making a strong point. And the word rubbish would have been a profanity in, in Paul's day. So just fill in the blank. He's like, I'm being for real. Like, like, dude, it's all trash. Like, I mean, like, just a little bit of trash. I mean, like, bad, bad trash. Like stinky stuff you step in when the dog's been in the backyard. And, I, and it's all that to me. It's garbage. It smells. I don't want to track it around on my feet anymore. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I don't want to follow me around life. It's all junk. Another reason we, we, we chase appetites is because we don't know who we are in Christ. Jesus says these words, A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. See, we keep thinking things like that matter, and they don't. We keep thinking, these are the words of Christ from Luke 12. Jesus is the one saying that. He's saying, your status with me doesn't, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter what, what everybody says you ought to have. It doesn't matter what everybody says what clothes you ought to have on. It doesn't matter what kind of bank account you think you're supposed to have. It doesn't matter. What matters is you knowing me. Your life is not measured by that garbage. Your life is measured because you have me. Your life is measured because we're together. And which leaves the last piece. We chase appetites because we don't trust him. See, the apostle Peter understood this. He walked away from his business to follow Jesus. He walked away from it. He tried to, he, like some of us, he tried to go back at one point. Anybody ever done that? Anybody ever think this walk with Jesus got a little too tough? I'm like, hey, I just think I'll go back. Funny part was, Peter went to go back. He's on the fishing boat. And all of a sudden, there's a dude sitting on the shore. And he goes, Hey, bros, how much y'all caught out there? Fished all night. Haven't caught nothing. He said, why don't y'all try the other side of the boat? 
Peter and the guys throw it on the other side of the boat, haul in this fish, and all of a sudden Peter's, Peter's heart goes back to Luke chapter 5. This has happened before. <sighs> hey, I made breakfast. Why don't you all come get some? Jesus cooking fish. Nobody, he wasn't even fishing. All of a sudden there's a fish there. Jesus is cooking. Over five. Peter jumps in the water, swims back, like, it's you, it's really you. Why did I ever think I could get what I wanted out of that stuff? I knew already there was nothing there. I, I already, and I went back. And some of you are like that. You still, Jesus has shown himself to be strong, and you still have gone back. You thought that would be the that would be it. You thought again, like, oh, maybe that wasn't. And Jesus is like, no, I'm still here. It's still me. The answer is still me. And Peter writes these words after that experience. His divine power has given us everything we need for life. He's given you already everything you need to live. Everything. And he's given you everything you need to be what he wants you to be. He's given you everything you need for life and for godliness. Some of you think if you get that promotion, life's going to be good. Some of you think if you get that, you, you get that, that house on the right side down, life is finally going to even out. Some of you think, oh, I'm going to say this one, if I find that spouse, it's going to be good. And you think the one he already gave you isn't good enough. And, you're, and you may not have actually made these strides towards that, but in your mind, you think, if I was just married to somebody else, it would all be good. And what you don't understand is, Jesus is the answer to the life issues. And he's given you everything you need to make that one work. Hmm. Sometimes our affections create our afflictions. Listen to Paul's words to Timothy. But people who long to be rich, chasing after natural, temporary things, fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. This is, what we, this is an often known but misquoted verse. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people, craving money in particular, I could, you could put anything in here. Honestly, anything, anything that you are trying to build your life on, that's not Jesus. Any craving. Have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That's why life is shaking right now. That's why you're teetering back and forth. That's why, because you're trying to build on a faulty foundation. And the only person that makes a difference is Jesus. To being real make, means making God the answer to your afflictions and your afflictions. Look at the next part of six, Psalm 62, verse, verse 8. Pour out your heart to him. For God is our refuge. And he throws a little line in there, interlude. Stop and think about everything we've just talked about. See, because some of you, it's not your affection, it's your affliction that's a problem. And that's why he talks about your heart right here. Because you've been wounded. You hurt bad. Something's missing. Something has happened that, that leaves a great big void in your life. Somebody has pierced you with something. Somebody's whipped you with something. Something has happened. Somebody's betrayed you in some way. Somehow you feel God's responsible for something that went awry in your life and you're afflicted and you're craving other things because you're hurt. And he says, listen, pour out your heart. 
The remedy to this situation isn't you holding it in anymore. It is you letting go of it. It's you pouring it out. The answer is to your affliction, the things that wound you the most, the deepest, darkest reasons. The word heart means not the organ that, that pumps in your chest. It means the real you, the thing on the inside that, that, is, that has been maybe hurting ever since you were three years old. And that awful thing happened to you. And you've held on to it since you were three. And you won't let go of it. And your heart hurts. And you keep trying to medicate with other things and other stuff. And God's like, pour that out to me. Pour that out to me. you got to pull off the mask. you got to get real with your father. Pour out your heart. Think about where you are right now. See, I have a news for you. There's hope beyond your affliction. You, but you find hope and healing and comfort in God first. First. When He becomes the primary focus of, the, of your healing, that's when hope comes. And here's the funny part about God. This is why we've got to take, to take masks off. Okay? He heals in two ways. God heals our afflictions. Some of you aren't going to like this part. The first one. God heals afflictions through his people. The way you get help for your hurt is you expose yourself to God's people. And the reason things still aren't right, even though you've walked with Jesus and you've attended church and you've done things, is because you haven't let God's people in on the problem. Can I tell you something? Showing up here on Sunday morning probably isn't going to fix your problem, really. It's going to medicate you for a little bit. It's just like all the rest of the self-medication. You come here hoping to appease your conscience a little bit. I went to church this week. God, haven't I been a good person? I should feel better now. Look at me. I even gave an offering this week, God. And you know what? When they told us to raise our hands during worship, I absolutely did. And yet you walk out. The pain's still there. You walk out and the, the chain is still wrapped around your feet and you can't walk and you can't move and you can't run like you're supposed to. And you're like, what is going on? Romans 12, 15 says we should rejoice with those who rejoice and we should mourn with those who mourn. But here's the thing. If we don't know you're rejoicing, we can't. And if we don't know you're mourning, we can't. And the only way we can do those things, fulfill our commission, is if you be honest and real about where you are and what's going on. That's it. That's what we believe in small group ministry. That's why we would do a thing called Friendsgiving. That's why we would, we would make time here at the altar to pray with people. It's because we believe that's how God heals. James 5.16 says, confess your sin, your fault with one another, that you might be healed. And then the line comes in, we all want to quote, the effective verb of a rice person makes much power available. But it does, it's not available until we confess, until we get real. 2 Corinthians 1.3-4, my wife read this last week. Praise be to God, the Father of mercy, the God of all mercies, the Father of all compassion, and the God of all comfort. Don't you like those things? Mercy, compassion, and comfort. Isn't that awesome that we all need that? 
He says, who comforts us in all of our troubles. Now, what's in the next line? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. The reason I have to be real about where I've come from, where I'm going, what I'm dealing with, is so that I can either be the extension of comfort in the life of somebody else, or they can be the extension of comfort into my life. If I don't do that, it doesn't happen. I'm not interested in playing church. I'm not interested in building a church building. I'm I'm interested in being the church. I'm not interested in coming to church. I'm not interested in looking like we're doing church. I'm not interested in any of that. I'm interested in being the church. And the the being of the church says this. Jesus said, by the love you express one to the other, will all people know you are my disciples. And when we love each other is we know we're going through trash and we keep walking with each other. We know we keep screwing it up and we keep walking with each other. We know we're hurting, and we keep being the extension of God's hands into the hurt. We keep helping each other, massaging the issues that need massaging, and helping each other get through things. And here's the other thing I'm going to say. If you get into this, you can't just vent. But boy, you want... <laughs> See, some of you are Debbie Downer types. And here's how. You won't talk about how bad things are, but when people start pointing you towards Jesus and what the Scripture says about things, you're like, no, thanks, but no thanks. And you want to complain, and you want to criticize, and you want to do all that stuff? Oh, it's getting real in here now. The reason you confess is because you want change, not because you want to complain. The reason you confess is because you want God to do something significant. Some of you confess just to be heard. People start to push you towards the scriptures and you, or, or towards prayer or towards something else. And you're like, no, I want none of that. I just want you to listen to me. And what's going to happen is you're going to find yourself in a really bad spot. You're going to be like the kid who cried wolf. And when you really need it, the people who are supposed to help you are so, so like, ah, oh, whatever. You didn't listen the last time. You didn't listen the last 15 times. I don't want to hear it anymore. You know why? Because as much as we want to be like Jesus, we're not. Our mercies are not new every morning. And I don't know if I'm spending my tires with you, or I'm, if, I'm really, if I can really help you or not. And here's the thing. When God, when God extends a way of rescue and salvation and change and transformation into your life, you should take it. Because too many of us are like that dude caught in the flood. Remember that guy? You know who I'm talking about? So he's, he's, he's up there on the, on the porch. And the little, little, little uh, uh, John boat comes up to him. Hey, come on, we're rescuing people. Nope, God's going to save me. Y'all go on and help somebody else. God's got me. And he climbs up onto the roof of his, of his porch, right? And the, ne- the next little boat comes by. And he's like, come on, dude, get in the boat. We're here to save you. And he's like, no, no, me and God got this. We got it. Y'all go on and help somebody else. Next thing you know, he's on the apex of his roof. The helicopter flies in. Come on, dude. We're rescuing people. They're like, no, God's got me, man. Dude, your feet are wet. I know, but God's got it. God's got it. Me and God got it. Y'all go on. God gets to heaven because the inevitable happens, right? God, I thought you were going to save me. He said, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. (laughs) What do you mean? And it keeps coming at you and you keep saying no because you just want to vent. You really don't want help. Our job is to change lives. Not really our job. Our job is to be a part of God changing lives. And we create encounter opportunities for lives to change. So I want to say this to you. 
Pulling off the mask isn't just pulling off the mask so you can be heard. Pulling off the mask is going, God, I want help. I want life different. I want things different. I'm tired of taking these laps. I'm tired of doing this stuff. I want what you have because what I have isn't working. And you, you, I'm tired of the broken relationships. I'm tired of the depression. I'm tired of the discouragement. I'm tired. I'm tired of it. Until you get sick and tired. I appreciate guys like Derek Rapp, man. He's as straight shooter as he can get. And there are days he comes and sees me and he goes, dude, I need help. And he'll just throw it out on the table. What do I do? The next question is, what do I do now? And I appreciate him because when we walk into certain situations, we've walked into several situations together, and he, he's been to a life that's completely collapsed. Just completely. Not even sure if God's real. And he goes, God, I don't know what's going on, but I need help. And he threw it all over on Jesus, and Jesus revolutionized his life. He said, I'll just do whatever you say do, Jesus. He, God changed his life. We'll walk, we've walked into several situations where people have asked us into, into circumstances, and he'll go. We'll walk out, and he'll go. Ain't going to happen today. I'm like, what? They're not going to happen today. I said, well, it's not going to happen today. He said, they're not ready. They still like it too much. Life as it is. They're not broken enough yet. We can try, but I'm telling you, this ain't going to work today. They're not, they, they, they really don't want help. They just want vent. And he's got a keen sense and eye for that because he walked it. And I could be a little bit naive. You know? you know, some of you may think coffee's a hardcore drug. It really isn't. You know what I mean? Unless you drink too much of it. Other things happen. I'm just saying. Another way God heals. I don't know what that is. God heals our afflictions through. That's a mess up. That's probably me. Through people, through his people, and through his presence. Psalm 46.1 reads like this. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Hebrews 13, 5 says, because God said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Psalm 91, 2, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Galatians says this, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I go through a list. Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. The Bible says we're two or three of him, three, two or three of us gathered together in his name. There he is. And so the reason this is important is because his, we need his people and we need his presence. We need both to show up. Now, some of you are saying, well, God's everywhere at the same time. Yeah, but you know that there's moments where he makes his presence really real, right? And we need that moment, right? You know, I, I, I'm going to wrap it up. Believe it or not, I'm going to wrap it up. Some of you are like, yeah, right, whatever, Aaron, sure. The way we understand how we get is you know what you have to know. God already knows. He knows what your affections are. He knows what your afflictions are. He is very familiar with all of them. And I can prove it to you, okay? Because the Bible gives us a prophetic piece of scripture about Jesus himself before he comes, before he shows up on the scene that talks about it. Listen to these words. Isaiah 53 reads like this. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows 
He understands affliction. Acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him. And we looked the other way. He was despised. And we didn't care. Look at the next line. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. The things we crave that make us weak, he carried them. It was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows, our afflictions that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were punishment from God. A punishment for his own sins. Some of you think what you're going through right now is punishment. It's not. God is reaching in with his grace into a very difficult situation so you will know how good he is. Verse 5 says, but he was pierced for our rebellion. I don't know if that hits you in the chest or not. Hits me in the chest. Those nails that went through his hands because of this guy right here. When I craved things and chased after things that wouldn't, I couldn't build my life on, it was, that was that pain going through his hands. He was crushed for our sins. You feel like you're under the weight of the world right now? Jesus understands it. He gets it. He was beaten. Some of you feel like you have just been beat up by life. Been beat up by your own affections. You've been beat up by your own addictions. You've been beat up by by things. You've been beat up by people. You've been beat. And he says, he was beaten so we, listen to this next line, so we could be whole. Isn't that awesome? He was whipped so we could be healed. See, he's got an answer for your affection. He's got an answer for your afflictions. Oftentimes, our affections are the things that segment our life. We have to hide because of them. And he wants you to be a whole person. Sometimes it's our afflictions that cause problems. And God says, I'm here to heal them. Can I encourage you about something? Divorce and truth means this. When it comes to our affections, it means you, you defeat your cravings with giving your life away. You know how you come over being stingy? You just get used to giving stuff away. No, I no remedy for that. Man. But here's the thing. We make our lives all about ourselves. We become consumers. And God wants us to be considerate of the needs of other people. And so when your affections are running the day, you just worry about what you can get, when you can get it, how you can get it. And God says, if you want to be a worshiper in truth, you start worrying about how you can give what God's given you away. You can be considerate of the needs and the issues of other people. And you can only do that in the context of community, in the context of of being available to others, of making yourself available to people. And them giving to you and you giving to them. You worship in spirit by allowing God to heal your afflictions. Allowing Him space and place to touch your heart. With His people, 
and with his presence. And oftentimes, it, both of them happen at the same time. How many of you guys have ever been in, this, in a place where you've hurt really bad, and all of a sudden, God sent the right person across your path, and suddenly what you were, you were dealing with suddenly just became as nothing, and you're like, and you feel like, God is here. And it was a person God was using. Ever been there? How many raise your hand? Hmm. Funny, isn't it? Like, it's like the Bible's true. Imagine that. Huh? I'm going to ask for someone. I'm going to ask us all stand. I've been talking for a long time. Jay, Jay and Sierra are going to do a song. And I'm going to ask for the people who are still around in the cable or of, our, of our prayer team to make themselves available. Here's the thing. You're hiding from certain things, affections, your afflictions, Right? And if God heals by his presence and his people, then we got to make space for his presence and his people to go to work, right? Am I right? I'm gonna leave, we're going to leave the altar space. We're going to create space. If, if, if you've got a, a, a group leader near you, you're going to go pray with them. That's cool with me. If you've got a friend who brought you to church, you can absolutely trust. And you need to like confess, like, dude, i got this affection I can't get under control. i got this affliction. I'm, I'm hurting in, in an area. i got something I need God to touch. Then I want you to take space right now. Because here's the thing. You are fully known. And you're fully loved by him. And as they play this song, this is the moment. We're not going to wait afterwards. I'm going to walk up here. We're going to pray, and we're going to go home. So that means you don't have like 16 minutes to figure out if you're going to come get prayer or not. You're going to come get it right with Jesus. You're going to move. You move right now. Here's what I know. The longer we wait, the less likely we are to really respond. You are fully known, and you are fully loved. That's That's a cool thought, man. All your baggage, all your stuff all your pain, all your difficulty, all the stuff you're ashamed of, all the stuff that's brought you grief, all of it. He knows it all, and he loves you anyway. Are you ready? They're going to sing. I want you to respond to Jesus. When they're done singing, I'll come up and pray. Is that cool? Leaders, spare people, make yourself available. All right? start to sing, um, I just felt like I needed to share something. Um, right now, I'm really nervous. This is really uncomfortable for me, but um, I don't know. The God, God kind of put it on my heart that maybe some of you feel like me right now. Maybe you're overcome with anxiety and you're nervous as heck to share what's going on and to take off the mask, but God just wants to encourage you. It's time to take the mask off. You'll feel so much more freedom when you let go, so just Get ready to take your mask off because that's what God's asking of you.
ridiculous craze to be known, fully known, and loved by you. I'm fully known, and loved by you. It's so like you to keep pursuing. It's so like me to go astray. Guard my heart with your truth, the kind of love that's bulletproof, and I surrender to your kindness. Oh, I'm fully known and loved by you. You won't let go. Ridiculous grace to be known, fully known, and loved by you. I'm fully known, and loved by you. How real, how wide, how rich, how high is your heart? I cannot find the reasons why you give me so much. How real, how wide, how rich, how high is your heart? Can I find the reasons why you give me so much? I'm fully known and loved by you. You won't let go. No matter what I do. And it's not one or the other. It's hard truth and ridiculous grace to be known. Fully known and loved by you. Listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.